Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. This week marks the first anniversary of the death of Ashling Murphy. And you'll remember at the time we spoke at length to people on the programme here over a number of days about whether they feel safe in Ireland as a man or a woman. And now in marking the one year anniversary, I just wanted to chat to people today about, well, how safe do you feel? Roisin is with me on the line today. Um, Roisin, do, do you feel safe in Ireland now in 2023? Uh, no, no, I definitely don't. I mean, as a young woman, like, we're, we're always seeing things on social media and on the news um, about violence against women. And, you know, really violence against women is an epidemic. And I think the government response has been so slow to it. Like, how can we feel safe? I don't think there are any real protections. There have been very small steps over the last year, very small ones um, in terms of pushing legislation along to make women feel more protected. But there there really isn't much. I mean, you know, even like me and my friends, you know, say, for example, if we're at the back of the taxi, we'll bring, and I'm sure so many women, if they're listening, have done the same, like, we'll bring a friend that isn't even at home um, but like kind of pretend that they're there and let them know that we'll be home soon you know just in case yeah. anything happens to us or like let our friend hold like keys between our fingers um, and just let, have our location on with our close friends you know things like that and I think I think it, Ireland just really is a very scary place to be a young woman and um, I think last year there was a big conversation started on on you know violence against women but we don't need more conversations we need like real action how do we bring that real action in though Roisin you know how, like how do you measure a tangible change I think um, I think a big way that we can feel safer is being that you know our elected representatives are doing things for us I mean things like funding things like rape crisis centres like rape crisis centres have to turn away at least 600 people a year and um, because they're just so chronically underfunded um, and stalking legislation in Ireland, like you have campaigners like Eve McDowell for Stalking Ireland doing Trojan work, but they're still the government has been so slow at bringing those steps in. Um, and I think if we if we just measure like what protections we have here in Ireland compared to other parts of the country, and um, even like if we're talking the island of Ireland, like the North is one of the most dangerous places um, in Europe to be a woman, and um, with the amount of death that there is and violence against women and the, the lack of legislation. So I think, to be honest, we need to start seeing action from public representatives. Okay. Stay with us, Roisin. I just want to chat to um, just want to chat to people today about this. I mean, just to get your, your thoughts on it. 1800 453 106 is the number. Uh, our reporter, Mairead, um, Mairead Cleary, is with me as well today because, Mairead, just I suppose in taking your, your news hat off for a minute, mm-hmm. You've actually changed some of your own behaviours in order to feel safe. Yeah, and it's funny. I didn't think it was unusual until I was having a chat in the newsroom here in News Talk about it. Um, I live with two other women. We're all in our early to mid-twenties and we all run, we all walk. Um, Pretty keen house for that every evening. And we actually naturally all stopped doing that in the winter. We all stopped going out, all three of us, um, going for our runs in the evenings or in the mornings like we usually do from about probably April to September, mid-October maybe. Um, and we all three of us have a gym membership now. 
and I probably won't renew it again once the evenings get longer. And that was kind of a subconscious thing I didn't think was that unusual. It's not something okay. we even talked about in the house until I said it to someone outside of our own little mid-twenties female bubble yeah. that that actually was unusual. That's a weird thing to do. So so that change in the going out for the run, the solo run yeah. on your own or out for a walk in the evening... That came about because you you didn't feel safe to do that. You just yeah. I mean, there is there is a, a feeling, I suppose, that I it's hard to explain, but I know that most people listening to this has felt it, man or woman. Um, you know, you turn turn down your earphones rather. Um, you're aware of your surroundings. You're checking your back. You're trying to keep where the public are still mm. trying to keep with people as much as you can go to busy streets you know in the summer I'm in Phoenix Park nearly every day I haven't been now in a few months and that's just the way it's been for the last few years for me living just in because it's dark darker and from four o'clock in the afternoon exactly yeah not it, as many people about exactly okay. yeah exactly that and like is is that something that many people um do you think many people have sort of made that kind of just changed their behaviors daily things they do and and nearly not even kind of realising at the time that it, it is a kind of a safety move. It is, yeah, I think so. I think, and even it shows in Nights Out, for example, um, you know, when we're going out, we talk about the taxi shortage all the time here in the news. And there could be a taxi shortage and you might prearrange, oh, Kira, do you want to stay with me tonight? Because, you know, she lives the opposite side of town. So there's no point her getting a taxi by mm. herself. The three of us will all get a taxi together. You make these adjustments and they actually become so part of normal life. It's when you're actually talking about the reason why you're making those decisions. That's when the dark truth really shows its head. And yet, Roisin, these are things that we, we shouldn't have to do. And, and funny, when you mentioned that point about the phone, like I would know myself, I would often find myself even still things like nearly pretending you're on the phone sometimes if you walk past someone to kind of say like, oh, I'll be there in two minutes. Or, you know, you might you use the point, yeah. Maraid, about being out on a night out. You'll always say to people, uh, give, give us a text when you get home. And there is that kind of checking in that still goes on. Yeah, exactly. I can, there are so many things we do that I don't think men would even like think of half the time to do themselves or like would never even realise we're doing like to try and protect ourselves. Like even when Mairead was saying there about like stopping walking or running when the night got like darker. I'm thinking me and my housemates did the same thing back in December. We actually stopped going out and, you know, there's just so many things that run through our, our heads um, that I don't think men think of just in the same like protective sort of way that we do. Now, I know we're going to get messages in here on 53106 from people who are going to talk about the number of attacks and assaults um, that happen on men. And, and absolutely, look, it's it's, it's not, mm. you know, a, a gender isolated discussion. I mean, we're just asking people today about what's their experience and how safe do you feel, whether you're a man, woman, whatever. If you want to get in touch with us, please, please do and share your experience with us um, on the programme today. I see a text in from Nikki who says, what I find really interesting but also slightly worrying is how normal these unusual behaviours have become. My friends and I always check in on each other after a night out to make sure that we made it home okay. And I often walk with my keys in my hand so that if I, so that if I am attacked, I have some form of a weapon with me. It's awful how normal these things have, have become. See, that's the thing, Marit, isn't it? Like you didn't even think your your own move was unusual until you said it to other people. Absolutely, yeah. It's when it's really when you scratch the why. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you texting your friends? Why are you pretending to be on the phone to someone saying, I'll be there in two minutes? And um, that's when I suppose the ugly truth comes out. And I do think 
perhaps the pandemic made our streets for a short time even more intimidating. It was so quiet um, going for runs and walks, especially in the city centre. Um, it gave that feeling of eeriness that no one was around and, you know, no one, no other eyes, third party eyes to keep an eye on you. Um, now, thankfully, at least the streets are a little bit busier now. But it is funny. It does become second nature to you to just make decisions for your own safety. Mm. Aileen is with us as well on the line. Aileen, you have, um, you have daughters. Like, do, do you worry about their safety? I do, yeah. I have, um, I have three daughters, two in their early twenties and one in her late teens, and I certainly worry about them. I mean, you know, if at home, and obviously, you know, at their age, they're entitled to go out and they're entitled, you know, to be town late or whatever. You know, I, I would always worry, and you know, I, I would. I won't wait up, but I'll certainly get up and I'll look at texts or I'll try ringing them. And I'm always concerned about their safety because I suppose, you know, I, I, I'm concerned about my own safety. Um, again, you know, I, I do a bit of running. I'm, I'm training for a, a marathon, so I don't have an option but keep running, even though it's dark. And there are plenty of evenings I don't feel like going for a run, because it's but also because I don't like being in the dark for all the reasons that have been outlined there. And, you know, taking precautions while I'm running has become part of the package um, of the whole thing. I mean, I, I don't even wear earphones. I heard somebody saying there they turned down their, their headphones or their music. I don't put anything in my ears because I'm absolutely entirely conscious that I need to be you know, in my senses all the time. Yeah. I, I bring know, my phone, I have my phone set um, to, to ring home as if the number's already programmed in so that I just have to press, um, you know, the call button if, if it, you know, if I'm overly concerned. Um, try and Aileen, I'm, ju- I'm just going to cut across you there, Aileen, for one moment because I, I just want to try and reconnect with you with you there on the line because there are just some, some fascinating points but, like, when you're chatting, Mairead, to your own friends beyond the housemates, like, yeah. is there a feeling of intimidation that kind of comes with because you talked about not running in the Phoenix Park in the late afternoon now we're in the early evening just given the the time of year that we're in but does that feeling of intimidation exist among most women like I would argue so. Yeah, like I say, you know, I have most of my friends and close friends would be girls and women. And, you know, I've two sisters and no brothers. So a lot of women in my life in general. Mm. And I do believe that there is a sense in some settings, there are settings where you have your guard up. You have your guard up on nights out. There's moments in nights out as well. You are relaxed. You're having the time of your life. Then you're going down to the chipper. You're waiting for a taxi. There are moments throughout a night where your sense of alertness is heightened. The sense of intimidation is heightened where you can just tell the vibe, as you say, the vibe is off. There's something off right now. And I think it, it presents itself at different times. It can present itself. It doesn't have to be a night out or, or pitch black. It can be the middle of the day waiting for a bus and you just sense there's something up right now. Someone is looking at me strangely. Someone's staring at me. People don't realise the intimidation of just staring or an unwanted comment sometimes, you know, smile, love. Something like that. It sets you back in your confidence. Why do you feel the need to tell me how to act? You know, it's just those small little acts, I suppose, where people think they have the right to to, to comment on you. Yeah. Does that happen frequently? Um, Mixed experiences. Sometimes it can be funny you nearly have a run. That's just me personally, but you nearly have a run of a few experiences like that. Like someone saying, smile, love, or someone staring you out of it in the bus. And then it might be nothing again for months and months. So I'm sure it's different for everyone. And like these things are so hard to change. We talk about societal changes because they are uncontrollable. Mm. People are just behaving how they're going to behave. So when we say, what can the government do in those kind of small sense of intimidation? What can they do really? It's just individuals 
in some way intimidating. You'd imagine the the very nature of this conversation today, that the the very fact that we're having this discussion. You know, I certainly feel that I have felt a lot more people talk kind of nearly check their behaviour somewhat a little bit in the last 12 months or so. And and maybe that's because, unfortunately, we've had so much discussion around this over the past 12 months that there's there's definitely, um, I just think there's more awareness around the discourse yes, of it a little I, bit. I would absolutely agree. And especially, like we say, it is not gendered. Um, but I will say, I do think a lot of my male friends um, are becoming aware, like you hear them saying stuff, lightheartedly telling stories when they're walking down the street and they actually cross the road because they realise they're walking behind the one woman for the last mile. Do you know, some people okay. have become more aware yeah. of things like that, even though they are no danger. But no, I suppose they're I know, aware that that's, might, you know, might be interpreted. 1800 453 106, the number if you want to join us here on Lunchtime Live. Aileen, you're back. Um, like, just give me those sort of practical examples that you mentioned again and like things again that we shouldn't, that you shouldn't have to do but that you do do yeah, when you're going out for the run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what I was saying was that, you know, taking precautions has just become part of my running routine because I have to, I, I you know, with work and everything, I have to run uh, in, the, in the evenings in the dark even though I don't want to. So, well, I, I don't wear anything in my ears because I want to be, you know, in my full senses and fully conscious of my surroundings and noise and everything the, the entire time that I'm running. Um, I have my phone with me always um, and I have my, my, my home number or my husband's number programmed into my phone already on, just ready to press the call button uh, if anything, you know, too sinister anything happens. Um, I, you know, I, I try and run on brightly lit streets. Um, I have ducked into um, gardens of houses where there, there's lights and doors open if I have felt that there's somebody coming behind me. Now, that, that, you know, it, most of the time there isn't. But, I mean, I have been followed a couple of times um, on runs, um, you know, late in the evenings, and I have been made very nervous. Um, I have been, I've had people run, I've had um, inevitably um, men run, run after me, or not running after me, but they're just running mm. um, to, to shout abuse or um, sometimes it's just a bit of a harassment or, you know, keep going there, love, or whatever else it is. But it can be very intimidating, especially if you are running in the dark. Um, and so, as I say, so, you know, taking precautions when I go running has just become part of, of the whole process. I also have, um, a, you know, I find my phone thing um, on my phone mm. to make sure that, you know, if, if anything went badly wrong, that my phone can be tracked and, you know, hopefully I can. I, I'd be tracked also there. Um, I also, on my three daughters, why they don't like it, I do have a tracker on their phone. Again, I don't use it. Yeah, yeah, I'm very yeah. aware of it. It's not like I'm stalking them or anything, but I, I like to, you know, if, if you know, I like to have a check on it to make sure that I kind of have an idea, you know, if they're very late home um, of, of where they might be. Um, and as I say, you know, I, I don't want to be doing any of this. You know, this is just, so it's, it's, I suppose it's become precautionary running rather than just ner- rather than just running, you know, mm. because as I say, I, I, I am quite nervous now and I used to be. But, well, that's, you know, what, I w- that, that's what I was going to ask you, Aileen. Like, has it, you know, has it changed or are, are we, why why do we take all these precautions now or d- did you always do that? Like, I'm just trying to get a sense of, has it got worse in recent years? Well, I mean, again, I mean, I can only talk from experience, but, I, you know, it is only in the last few years that I have felt nervous because I have, as I say, I have had a big shout at me. I have been, you know, harassed when I'm, when I'm running. And I suppose because, you know, we hear so much about gender-based violence and because of, you know, the death of Ashton Murphy and because of numerous other um, uh, attacks uh, against women, 
um, you know, it's more there in, in your consciousness. So, you know, I, I've certainly become way more uh, cautious. And, and I suppose what I'm, what I'm always aware of is that, you know, we only talk about the reported incidents to, to the guards. But, mm. you know, I, I know plenty of people and, you know, lots of unreported cases of harassment and assault um, and, you know, just general abuse and harassment um, by, you know, plenty of my women friends who, you know, whether they're walking home from town or, uh, you know, whatever else. I mean, I, you know, I, I think, you know, that there's, uh, a, a, you know, I think there's something, I think, you know, worldwide, about a third um, of all women experience some sort of physical or sexual violence. And, you know, I, I think that experience shows when you have, when you talk with, uh, among a group of women friends, what their experience is mm. and, you know, their feelings about, you know, walking alone, as I say, or running alone in the dark. I have a text in here from a listener who says, when I go for a walk, bringing a dog for a walk or bring my daughter, I always bring a knife with me and always make sure that I have it with me in the car. I know what I'm doing is illegal and I would be prepared to answer questions afterwards. I knew that if I ever had to use it, I would do without hesitating. Where I live, nobody is out walking after seven in the evening. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. And you're listening to Lunchtime Live, where we've been talking for the past um, few minutes today on the show about this week. It marks the first anniversary of the death of Ashling Murphy. It's hard to believe uh, it's a year ago. And we're just chatting to people today about whether or not you feel safe in Ireland. And we've had uh, Mairead and, and Aileen and Roisin with us on the line. Elaine is also uh, with us today on the programme. Elaine, how safe do you feel in Ireland? I feel I, I, I feel safe, as in I feel as safe as I always have. But I was listening to other callers there and I think we're talking about whether it's getting worse or whether it's getting better. I think, like a lot of things with the media that we have, we're hearing about it more. We're learning about more instances. doesn't necessarily mean it's happening more often. Um, I think that there's always been a need for caution when people go out on their own, particularly at night. One of the things that struck me, you know, like since we started chatting about this today, Elaine, the, the various different kind of measures, I suppose, that we as women take and sometimes without even much knowledge, you know, that that we're doing it because um, because of, you know, safety concerns. But like even Mairead talking about running with the group or, you know, now joining the gym and not going for runs in the afternoon and and Roisin talking about like, you know, she's out for a walk holding her keys in her hand and, and this kind of thing. Like, do you do stuff like that even just to, by way of safety concerns? So avoiding getting into a situation is definitely the best way of keeping yourself safe. Um, I do all those things. I have done self-defense and training myself but I also believe that there will be times where you may not be able to avoid it and we don't cover enough on what to do in a situation that can't be avoided and I think that's where we hear some of the outliers who are in very unfortunate situations where they found themselves in a position where they were unable to to get away or to avoid Nobody wants to be in that position. And I think when we look at some of the studies done in some of the prisons around the world, the people who are there, sometimes they're there because of 
whatever way their brain chemistry is, they don't have the same empathy as other people or they go out looking for this. They know how to prey on people. They know how to see somebody who is vulnerable, who's not um, paying attention, maybe who has headphones in or maybe somebody who is consciously not looking at their surroundings, head down, walking as fast as they can and not but aware isn't of everything there's, that's going Isn't there on. something so wrong, Elaine, with the fact that we would have to alter routes or, you know, like avoid a certain road or street or like, I suppose these are all things we shouldn't have to do, you know, and yes. like We shouldn't have to do it. And I really, really agree with that. Yeah. But from the dawn of time, this has been part of human nature. And I think if we say, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do it because we shouldn't have to do it. It's like putting your head in the sand. And I think we should be doing a lot more with regards to physical education classes for boys and for girls that, you know, if you get into a situation that cannot be avoided, that they're able to do something Mm -hmm. about it. And they do it in other countries. So I don't know why we wouldn't do it here. And simply not doing it because we shouldn't have to do it is not acknowledging what it is. Okay. Um, A text in from a listener here who says, I'm scared stiff of my daughter's drink being spiked on a night out as well. I I think it's something that should also be mentioned in the context, mentioned in the context of the conversation today. Seems to be quite common nowadays, says this texter. Stay with us, Elaine. Um, I've Ashling on the line as well. Ashling, you've been listening to the the chat, to to the discussion today. Why did you get in touch? I got in touch. I moved up to Dublin right at the end of all the COVID lockdowns last February. And I've had issues. I live in Finsterra, so quite close to the city centre. I usually can't get a taxi if I'm out late. So if I'm out, you know, after nightclub, two or three o'clock, it's very difficult to get a taxi. So I end up walking home. And because it's not far, it should be fine. But I've had some, like, awful experiences with being followed, being heckled, you know. Um, And I put those safety... Methods in place, you know, I always have my headphones in, but I don't have any music playing so that I can hear what's going on around me. But then when they shout at me, that they might think that I can't hear them and that I'm not ignoring them because you don't upset them anymore. But uh, recently, coming up to the Christmas period, I had an issue where there was a man shouting at me and following me at the top of O'Connell Street and did not back off. And there were other people around and no one did anything. So... In the end, I stopped at a shop, like, quite near home, and I waited for him to go, and he turned the top of the corner, the top of the the street, and I was like, okay, he's gone now. And then when I walked up, he was, like, stood, but kind of in a corner where I wouldn't see him, so he was waiting for me to pass him. So I waited for another 10 minutes, and he was still there, and I just, a stranger walked past me, I decided he looked friendly enough, so... I went up to him and I was like, oh, there you are, and loudly, and then quietly said to him, there's a man following me, would you mind walking with me until he's gone? And that stranger did that, and he walked me to my door, did which he? I was okay. And But that was a really scary experience, and I then cannot... over Christmas I found it very difficult to go out, because I was yeah. too nervous. It must have been so intimidating, Ashley. Yeah, it was awful. And then you hear, you know, there was a case in, in Britain where a man followed three women home, and the last woman ended up you know, dead. And like that happened after what happened to me. So it's really scary. Would it put you, like, I know there's a whole lot we talk about, you know, getting home and transport and taxis and, and, and all of that, but like, would it make you, would it make you hesitate or think twice about going out? 
It is, yeah, over Christmas. Yeah. I, every every evening, you know, I went out and I only stayed out until 10 o'clock because I wanted to make sure that I would be able to get a bus home and, like, be able to get home safe. I wasn't able to stay out late at night um, as I usually would. And it, it really did change my behaviour. Um, and, you know, we can say that the, the, the predators will target people who they see to be weak but even if every person is strong and has their wits about them and knows what they're doing that can't save everyone no it's not going to work not, yeah. you know you can do everything right and things can still go wrong and only for the as you say the, the good nature of the other person you know the, the, the passerby that you were able to say to them can I can I walk with you or will you walk with me and you know yes. because you're, you're kind I'm of I'm very lucky that that person I know. was kind I you know, know. and and, and didn't take advantage, you know, because then that person walked me to my door. And then it was when, when I got to my door that I was like, oh, I'm unsafe now because I've just brought a stranger to my front door. When you, you told people about this, Ashling, how did they, you know, family or, or, or friends, how, uh, what was their reaction? <laughs> they all had to go at me for not getting a taxi home. Um, and they all kind of said, you know, you need to be more careful. And I said, I know I will be. But they were all appalled. And, know. you know, they've heard a lot of stories, but the reason, and I, I, I like, I don't want to scare anyone no, and know. tell them these stories, but I want people to know because I put, I, I do everything I can to be safe and I want to make sure that these, that, that my friends and family, they don't see it as a remote possibility, that they realise it could happen to them and then what they can do in those situations if they do happen to them. I'm sure you got the phrase of your life. <laughs> did, you know, yeah. yeah, I can I only imagine trying to think, you know, I'm d- as you're describing it, like you're trying to play it out in your head, you know, about what you do and, you know, you're probably looking around to see if there's a guard nearby or you, and you're, you think you're on O'Connell Street, like you're on the capital city's, you know, our, our main street and you're standing actually, in the shop. I choose for to minutes. walk home, I choose to walk home on, on O'Connell Street because there's a guard of presence there. Yeah. It's, uh, usually there's a guard of on there, so I'm like, if anything does happen and there's always people around. Yeah. It was at the top kind of, so it was, you know, it was where there was no one there was no one around, really. It's it's incredible, Ashling. Like, and I know when the texts are coming in saying, you know, people shouldn't have to do this. You shouldn't have to walk down busy streets. You shouldn't have to walk down streets with you know CCTV cameras. And and yet, just heard your example, and and we all do it. And like most most of the people I've I've talked to today on the show all take some form of you know, measures or whatever you, you want to call it, whether we, we should do or have to, we do, you know. Um, and, and, and I thought it was really interesting here about the people that have stopped running in the evening. I know. Because I live next to the canal, so I usually, like over the summer, I walk the canal every day. And then as soon as the nights got shorter, I stopped just because I was like, you just don't want to be out in the dark. So Maraid was saying that earlier, like about joining the gym with her housemates. To not have to go out in the late afternoon or early evening when it's dark to, to go for a run. Um, let me bring in Alan as well, Ashling. Alan is on the line. Um, Alan, why did you get in touch? Uh, just uh, I listened to the programme and uh, I'm a taxi driver working from Dublin Airport. And some years ago, I was dropping a passenger about 12 o'clock at night around the Sparwell Hotel. And as if the, road was en- the road was empty except for one girl and two guys. And I noticed the girl looking over her shoulder. Uh, she was she looked very nervous. So I dropped the passenger not too far from where, where she was. And I drove back around as quick as I could, pulled in beside her. And I said, excuse me, are you okay? And uh, she said, no, I'm very nervous. Uh, those two boys, every time I cross the road, they cross over after me. 
when they cross back to the other side, they cross over. And I said, look, jump in the car. I said, I'll drop you home. If you don't, I'm not, there's no charge. I said, just jump in the car and I said, I'll have you home in 10 minutes. So I dropped the girl home then. Fair play to Alan for doing that. You could just, was, you, I still remember it to this day. Yeah, you could obviously program, sense your, it. Your programme reminded me of it. And I, I often think of it, uh, that, you know, but as a, as a taxi driver in Dublin, and I, I live in Blanchestown, we would always, or I would, wait till the girl gets in the, into our hall door. And that's okay. almost every, every taxi driver I know. But I always, remember, I always remember that girl. She was very nervous, and I got her to our hall door. I waited, waited till she went in, and she said, thank you very much. And I said, look, you're home safe now, don't worry about it. Yeah. Fair play to you, Alan, yeah. for doing that, you know, because and and it's it's interesting to hear that that, that so many taxis actually now that you say it, you know, I, I I thinking back of even getting out of a taxi there over the weekend and and you know they often do wait until you you go in the door or or, or shut the door, you know, and it's it's amazing to think that that you're doing that because as a as a safety measure nearly, you know, to to make sure somebody got in. Yeah, the guys will wait till you get in the hall door. If you if you're there on your own, they do it. They will wait. But they always get that always. Stay. That must have been about nine years ago when this was happened. It? And it was yeah. 12 o'clock at night. And uh, it, it just struck me that she was very, she looked very nervous. Yeah. And I often wonder, like, you know, if I hadn't, you know, what would have happened? I know. Well, no, we'll hope we'll not, not think about it. But listen, fair play to you for, for, for doing that, Alan, and for, for getting in touch today as well. Um, Ashling too, for, for joining us in the programme. There's more people getting in touch, more emails coming in here, actually. Uh, lunchtime live at newstalk.com. That's the email address if you want to share your experience with us um, on the programme today. Elaine, Ashling, Alan, thank you for, for joining us on the show. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. At the start of the show today, I mentioned that this week marks the first anniversary of the death of Ashling Murphy. And we've been talking to various different people today just to ask, how safe do you feel in Ireland, irrespective of gender? How safe do you feel? And we've had a huge reaction to this. A lot of people getting in touch with us. Um, this Fiona has gotten contact to say, I used to go running in our local park, but I'm quite nervous. And I always stay now on the, on the public footpath, never run in the evenings anymore. I'm too afraid. I'm always conscious of who is in front or behind me. This texter says there's no denying that there is a problem um, with violence against women, but the behaviours described on the show earlier are also implemented by myself and my friends. When in Dublin, I'm a man in my 30s. It's not a nice place to be for anybody, regardless of gender. Anne is with us on the line. Anne, do you feel safe? Personally, I feel fairly safe. Um, But society-wide, I don't think anybody is any safer. Um, and I think the past couple of months have shown that. Um, so personally, I've I've never felt terribly unsafe, but that's because of me and and my um, uh, physique or whatever. But um, and how you know, and my age and where I you know um, move around the, the the areas I'm in. But um, no, I don't I don't think things have have improved. In fact, okay. I think they've disimproved. In in what way, Anne? Um, excuse me, I think, um, well, I think what's interesting is, you know, uh, um, that chap, Andrew Tate, who's come to the fore, you know, because he finally got arrested. But um, 
just uh, there is I think the fact that he's become kind of a, like a, a hero or an anti-hero I heard somebody talking about him this morning um, and I think uh, you see the rise of the whole uh, or the, the re-rise of the whole macho culture um, which is being led by these essentially kind of juvenile sociopathic narcissists you know and I mean uh, narcissist in chief would be the likes of um Donald Trump, and obviously he he was caught boasting about sexual, excuse me, sexually assaulting women, and I think it's just really has emboldened those who would maybe have had a natural tendency towards thinking about that, but maybe they would have considered women as objects, <coughs> excuse me, but now they feel emboldened to actually say that out loud and behave in in that manner. You said that you yourself and personally, you you feel safe or, or don't have experience of not feeling safe, um, whether that be, you know, out for a walk or out in the streets or in any of the experiences that you've had. Um, what about your, your family? I mean, when you talk to them? Well, my daughter, um, you know, she would, um, even though she's a, a straight woman, she would have always... Uh, gone to, to out with, with uh, gay friends to, to gay clubs because it was just safer. She just felt, I'm not going to be harassed and she just felt, she, you know, she could actually relax and enjoy herself as did many of her friends who weren't gay either because there was just a much safer, more relaxed feeling in the club where you could dance away. So she actually, Anne, sorry, go to a, a gay bar rather than a heterosexual bar because yeah. she felt safer in it. and she'd still do that? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's... And and her I, friends I, would do the same? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. I think what has changed from when I was younger, when I was her age, um, is that if you, you know, if you had somebody who, you know, someone was chatting you up or whatever and you kind of politely said, not, no thanks or not interested or, you know, made it clear you weren't interested, they would kind of look a bit sheepish or a bit kind of maybe a bit dangerous and they'd go back to their friends and there might be a bit of joshing from their friends kind of whatever whereas I think now things have become where he might you know that the, the guy might get aggressive um, and like either verbally or physically and again this I have to always reiterate this is the vast majority of men do not behave like this the vast majority of men are really good guys Absolutely. but it's the ones who aren't behaving properly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think individually their behaviour has got worse, has got more extreme. And I feel that they feel emboldened by the likes of Tate and Trump okay. and Bolsonaro and all the clowns in positions of power. Okay. Um, let me bring in Sue as well. Sue is with us on the line. Sue, do you feel safe? Well, Andrea, I actually think you're asking the wrong question. Um, I, I think that we could talk until the cows come home of women's experiences. Um, and this kind of relates to what your previous your previous speaker, Anne, was it, has just said. Mm. We're putting the onus where what I would like to see this conversation going and what what I feel should have been on this topic was what has happened in the last year? What have men done in the last year to make women in society feel safer? Where are the male allies that are countering the likes of what your your previous person just said, Trump, Musk, all of those guys that 
that person Tate, you know, mm. like, there's where are the guys talking out and saying to their male friends, look, this just isn't on. We don't hear that. We don't have a radio show with men talking about how to uh, how to behave with women and how to protect women. And, you know, I can understand that some people might say, well, you know, we don't need men to keep us safe. But actually we do. We do need strong male voices speaking out. I know there are some campaigns uh, to combat uh, domestic violence um, and gender-based violence generally, but there needs to be more. There needs to be much more visibility of well-known, well-respected male role models saying to the younger generation, and particularly the older generation, because, you know, the older generation of males can be pretty toxic okay. as well. That's what all men though, but I, I, yeah, okay. Uh, Jerry is with us though on the line as well. Um, Jerry, you wanted to make a point on this. Um, uh, well, I was listening to the taxi driver earlier, Andrea, and I, I, th- there was a girl coming home and there was two guys watching only for the taxi driver went back, just had enough cop on him, went back mm. and picked the girl up and, and brought her away to safety. And at the same time, I'm hearing people saying, put in more CTV and put in more cameras here, there and everywhere. But if that taxi driver had to just go on and mind his business, uh, what would have happened to that girl? The camera wouldn't have saved her. More cameras wouldn't save her. So what I'm saying out loudly is the government would want to get in here, get more Gardaí trained in, out on the beat. Physical presence means an awful lot instead of putting up more cameras. Would, I, 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 and I'm talking about ladies going out running at night, that they, they can't go out running at night now that winter's in and everything else. Mm, we heard that they story earlier today, yeah. Physical presence okay. of Gardaí out on the beat, not in the station, and, and, and I'm not saying that they're, they're all sitting in the station. But no, so they can't be in every street know, too, I suppose. And, but and, and it, go, it goes for both sides, Andrea. It goes for... for, for Men, young young fellas and young women going out jogging or walking in the evenings. We need more physical presence of guarantee. Mm, okay. And the only way we get that is because the government, with their five billion extras that they've made this year, surely to God, they can train up another couple of hundred guarantees. And you think uh, the and presence, maybe the, poli- the police, the police presence? Because okay. cameras do not save. Oh no, they won't stop. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, I mean, you would hope that they would be there or act certainly, perhaps as a preventative. But I mean, you're right, Jerry, in the sense that it's not going to stop something um, from from happening, not at all. Uh, lunchtime live at newstalk.com. That's the email address if you want to get in touch with us here on the program today. Jerry, Sue, Anne, thanks a million um, for getting in touch with us about that. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.